everyone, and welcome. Today on the Business of Life Masterclass Podcast, we have a special episode with myself, Debbie Lumberg, and Deborah Palmer. I am sure you've all seen by now on social media that Debbie Lumberg and Deborah Palmer are forever linked by a kidney transplant, and they call themselves kidney cousins. Debbie donated her kidney back in August. We actually did an episode with each of them separately. So if you haven't seen that episode or heard that episode, you might want to go back and listen first. But we're going to get an update today on how they're both doing. Barb Zant here, media sales leader, founder of the lifestyle brand, the stay at work mom and fashion stylist. Well, I love following both of your journeys. I cannot get enough of the content. I'm always looking. That picture where you recently saw yourselves for the first time since the surgery is just my favorite that will live on forever. Deborah, let's start with you. How are you doing? I'm doing really well, Barbara. Um, The kidney is working fantastically. Um, There are some getting used to the medications, which will take time. But other than that, I'm really feeling great. You look wonderful. And Debbie, you are a constant inspiration. Uh, We see your posts and your runs and your walks. How are you feeling? Thanks, Barb. Good. I'm I'm really feeling good. I'm amazed each day. You know, our bodies are quite spectacular. (laughs) And if we treat them well, they seem to respond well to it. And I feel good. I've been able to golf, which now my joke is you know, golfers will do almost anything to get a better turn. So perhaps with one less kidney, I'll have a better shot at a better swing. But uh, overall, all kidding aside, really, really good. Good. That is wonderful to hear. Deborah. so our listeners can understand the seriousness of renal failure. What happens to prior to being placed on the kidney transplant list? So in my case, Barbara, um, I have been in renal failure or had been uh, up until the transplant uh, for almost 25 years. Um, When it started, the the renal failure was um, severe and I was on dialysis for about six months. And uh, miraculously, actually, my kidney improved enough, uh, stabilized enough where I could get off dialysis and uh, continue my life uh, with uh, no medications, just constant monitoring uh, for 24 years, going to the a nephrologist every three months, getting lab work, um, and I was okay for a while. Um, not normal, you know, my kidney was not functioning properly, and uh, that's why I had to watch, you know, we had to watch over. But um, about two years before the transplant, it became evident that uh, my kidneys were beginning to fail again. Um, and that I would either end up on dialysis or require a transplant. Um, So for two years, uh, we worked with nephrologists. There's really not much I could do uh, in the way of medications or just had to uh, try to live a good life, you know, eat right, exercise, that sort of thing. Um, But for two years, we watched the numbers. There's a particular number that they decide on uh, recommending the transplant. And uh, that one number, we watched it carefully and uh, it, it kept falling and falling and falling and finally got to the point where you could uh, apply for a transplant. 
And uh, if your number is higher than this, they won't even consider you or even uh, allow you to apply. So once that number hit the, the low mark and was obvious it was not going to go any higher, um, I applied for a transplant. Uh, it took a couple of months before they uh, approved me, accepted me into the program. And uh, there we go. Had I not um, chose a transplant, uh, it, it's evident that I would be on dialysis at some point. Um, dialysis is a treatment for renal failure, just as a transplant is. So you choose if you uh, are, you know, don't feel like a transplant is your your thing. You can, you know, you'll end up on dialysis. Um, but I chose to try to get a transplant. So this has been a lifelong journey for you. Well, um, actually, I've had a long life. <laughs> when I originally was uh, uh, diagnosed, uh, I was young and healthy, and it was just such a surprise. Uh, I did not know. Uh, in fact. Um, I had been to other doctors that were uh, diagnosing me with uh, Epstein-Barr's disease, which is the fatigue syndrome. And I continued to get uh, sick and uh, was desperate and was trying other doctors and uh, finally found a doctor that recognized what was going on. And he started the testing and confirmed that uh, my kidneys were failing. Um, I had had and still continue to have on no other underlying medical conditions, uh, which is somewhat unusual. Um, but uh, it is also one of the reasons why I was able to stabilize for 24 years. And also why, uh, in addition to receiving an outstanding new kidney, uh, why the transplant went so well and the recovery seems to be uh, progressing quickly, so. It's nice to hear, Debbie. How in the world does someone become a living kidney donor? Well, it's not something I ever anticipated doing. And yet I've learned a lot through the process. And Deborah and I, uh, as the two Debs, as the kidney cousins, we're both wearing these pins that say donate life. And certainly Deborah knew a ton more about this long before I ever did. And what I admit, you've heard me say it before. I thought, well, I don't know, how does this work? Uh, you know, if you're a blood match and you're willing to give up a kidney and it, it's certainly more than that at the same time, it's a very, it's a very streamlined, thorough process. So what I mean by that is at this point in the year 2020, the, the expert minds and people who dedicate their lives to this know what they're looking for. So yes, a blood type, tissue typing, the functionality of the kidney, everything is tested from a psychological to an emotional to a physical standpoint. And while it is very thorough, it's something that somebody can choose to do and they can choose to do it in a couple of ways. A living donor, as you ask about me, that could be somebody who wants to give of themselves in that way and does not know anybody in particular, they can do that. Or they could be uh, somebody who knows someone who is in renal failure, is, is seeking a kidney transplant, has been put on the list, and then move forward and find out they're not a match. And yet they can still donate. Now, this has been one of the things that's that just blew my mind and is such a positive, important step that I hope people get to hear is 
even if they aren't a match for somebody who they care for, there is a matched donor program that will take that volunteer who wants to donate his or her kidney and find a match somewhere else in the world. And then two people benefit by someone. So even as I was learning, I thought it had to be a match. And I was excited that this third way that happened to work out beautifully for Deborah and me is a living donor and, and could be related or not like we are. Ours was, they, they keep telling us different numbers. They keep getting bigger. I stick with the first one, one in over a hundred thousand, that chance that we would be a match. And we are, we were, we are still, I suppose. And, and uh, so becoming a living donor is, is something that the, any organization like Tampa General Hospital, where we were, is sixth in the country by volume for transplants. They know every step of the way and they will guide a donor through that process. So it doesn't sound like a, the living donor is all that common. I think your number was 37. So you were the 37th surgery this year. We're the 37th donation or transplant. I don't know if that was kidney and liver. Uh, I'm not sure. Deborah texted me and let me know that number. So, uh, but yeah, it's, it's certainly something that is desirable because people tend to have a, a longer, uh, better outcome than from a donor who's passed. But certainly if people want to donate by signing up to be a, a I call it donor upon death. That's not the, the technical term. But when I talk to people, it's, if people want to do that, that's that's an absolutely outstanding way to allow somebody a chance to have a kidney too. And one of the reasons that we're sharing your story, and there's so many people that want to find out more information. And so we will tell our listeners um, how to um, donate and get involved as well. Deborah, what's the best um, difference post-transplant? Uh, for me, physically, yeah. um, <laughs> the weight has been lifted <laughs> uh, that I um, will end up on dialysis. Uh, that was, uh, when you get on the transplant list, um, waiting for um, a cadaver donor, uh, right now, it uh, takes about three to four years. Um, so I was always concerned. I, I don't want to be back on dialysis. Um, yes, it is a life-saving treatment for renal failure, but it, it's really not a wonderful way of life. Um, so knowing that, you know, because my kidney is working great, um, there's always things that can happen. You have to be very careful, um, take care, take the medications as prescribed and all. Um, and the first six months of the transplant really is um, the the uh, iffy time period, you know, after about six months, actually six months to a year, um, things should level out for me. But um, that um, physically, um, I'm still kind of weak and tired. Uh, I'm able to work and uh, able to do basically what I need to do or want to do, um, but I do get tired. Um, I wanted to say something about the 37th transplant. You have to keep in mind, Barbara, this year, um, the hospital stopped surgeries for about two to three months. 
So there was uh, quite a time there when they were not doing transplants and TEPA General typically does over hundred transplants a year. So um, that's the reason why. Um, and I'm not sure either, Debbie, if we're liver and, and kidney tra and other transplants actually, but I'm, I'm thinking we are the 37th kidney transplants. <laughs> and I know we ha all had our fingers crossed and we were praying that um, surgeries were going to resume and it was getting close there, but very happy that they were able to. Um, Debbie, what has changed for you? What's been your biggest change? Well, I, I was really, really just pleasantly, pleasantly surprised that how much I mentioned earlier, so I won't be redundant, the the ability to come back has been certainly, certainly outstanding. And I feel like I was really quite well prepared by the professionals. I, I believe they gave really good answers. Deborah's heard me say this before. There were there were really a, a couple of things that you, know, you I guess you just wouldn't know. Uh, the first time they told me they said, okay, no ibuprofen ever again. And and I thought, oh, okay, that's what I would typically take if I had, say, an injury or 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 had quite a bit to drink in my was concerned I might have a headache. I admit it. I have no shame in admitting it. So I thought, okay, you know, that's, that's something different. And then there's, there's the difference in how one kidney, while it will take over uh, for the other kidney to a certain extent, as Deborah mentioned, they measure her on certain numbers. And for me, it's creatinine. And, and I know that's one of hers as well. Uh, and, and so with, with the measurement of that, there's a concern about protein intake, which for a lot of people, it's not a big deal, but as both of you know, I have a lot of food allergies. So my go-to was protein. I found that uh, I'm, I've, I'm in the process of learning how to eat about a fourth of the amount of protein a day. So it wasn't a little bit different or quite a bit. It was like, wow, uh, change. And not that that is anything that should deter anybody at all, at, at all. It's been interesting. And, and I don't mind saying that it's not a bad thing. It's not a difficult. It certainly is one of those where I think, oh, I would have grabbed some jerky or I would have had something else. So those differences, while it's a, it is a change, it's also just something about um, a good reminder of it's not a huge deal. And when other people go through changes, it's something to relate to or to keep in mind that not everything goes perfectly. And including me, I don't always ask every single right question to get every answer and to keep that in mind that it's like, all right, bring that on and let's keep going. Question I will add to the list. Deborah, what's the biggest surprise that you've encountered? Um. For me personally, I, I uh, and I tell the doctors this all the time, I am shocked at that I have had no pain whatsoever. Um, it's quite a large incision uh, and uh, it's not good looking or anything, but I've had zero pain uh, since the surgery. And they explained that the doctors explained to me why um, Debbie probably um, experienced more pain than I did because her surgery was a little different than mine. Uh, but that amazed me. I thought I'd, you know, need the pain medications and all. And um, I only took two pain pills in the hospital. And frankly, uh, I took it to try to sleep, not 
you know, overcome pain or anything. So to me, that's been the most amazing thing, uh, along with uh, where, you know, uh, 10 weeks in this week, um, I thought I'd still be sick. <laughs> and I'm not, uh, you know, uh, I feel, I just am surprised that I feel so well at this point. So. Oh, that's great. 10 weeks and no pain. That's incredible. That's great. So, so Debbie, I think the change and the surprise, you you answered that um, with the the protein and the change. Um, Is there any um, final thoughts um, from you on the process or something that you wanted to talk about or that I didn't ask? I'd say something similar to Deborah and, and, you know, we, we look forward to when we can see each other and, and share the story together, certainly. And I don't mean to put words in both of our mouths, it's just, I can't echo enough that Deborah's right. I mean, I had a little bit more pain, but it, it just, if somebody is hesitant because of the amount of downtime or the amount of pain, you know, certainly either one of us, I believe would talk to someone and, and yeah, so we have these scars and the surgeon who removed mine said, wear it as a badge of honor. I mean, don't look at it as anything other than something good. And I agree that it doesn't necessarily matter what that looks like or what it feels like. And the, the lack of pain, the lack of those things, it could happen for other people. We realize that we feel special and we're grateful. I was also told by some clients who are in the medical field that it really does matter the surgeon and and I don't mean any slight on anyone else, but to kudos to our surgical teams because apparently some others who've shared with me, they're like, well, be careful when you say that because a lot of people have pain and a lot of the reason that you don't is, is because of how they they handled it. So, I mean, I know we're grateful for that. Ask all the questions, get as many answers as possible and believe in, and, and the research that they've done and the way that it can affect more than one person. And I just close it with, uh, it's been incredible how much support we've had from friends, from strangers, from people wanting to know. And, and I'd say that that is just, it's outstanding to think that it's been a positive experience for us and a positive story for people. And it's nice to be included in people saying it gave them hope at a time where there wasn't a lot of positive sometimes. Yeah, the community really has rallied. And I think that the story is one that everyone wanted to hear. And we are very lucky to have um, Tampa General right here in, in our backyard. Um, Deborah, what are some final thoughts from you? And then also including how we can get more information um, on donating. Um, well, the one thing that I wanted to say about it is, um, as Debbie said, we've gained a lot of support from uh, acquaintances and friends and family and all. And um, sometimes people um, are afraid to share. Um, and when I opened up about this, I uh, started a Facebook page just to, and actually I had spoken publicly previously about uh, the transplant. Um, I think it's helpful for others, um, even if just one person hears the story and that brings them some kind of hope or uh, motivates them to look into uh, you know, um, donating uh, organs and tissues. 
Um, I think that's good. And uh, not just for me, but for anybody. Uh, and since I have been speaking out, others I've noticed in my circles are, are now talking about theirs. It's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. Um, it's nothing brought upon me, but, um, you know, that I brought upon myself. But uh, I just uh, encourage people to talk about it. Um, here in Tampa, we have a very active um, transplant uh, organ donation community, actually. Um, and you can get more information, um, donatelife.net. And um, in fact, these pens were given to Debbie and I by somebody on the board at uh, Donate Life here in Tampa. And mine says recipient and hers says donors. And uh, we, we wear it proudly. We're, um, of course, I'm grateful forever to Debbie Lumber for the gift that she's giving me. Um, but I'm also happy to tell anybody uh, about it. And um, I agree with Debbie. Not everybody's experience will be the same. But um, for the most part, I think a lot of the people that we've come in contact with that have either donated organs or have received um, transplant, uh, are, they have a great outlook about it. And I haven't heard too much um, negativity about it at all. Um, people have questions and I'm happy to answer, but um, I just encourage everybody to look into uh, signing up to be an, uh, an organ donor, um, regardless uh, if you want to look into being a live donor or not. So there's, um, you know, afterlife, there's plenty of people um, waiting. There are approximately four times the number of people waiting for a transplant than there are organs available. So we, we need organs. That's crazy. Well, hopefully we've done our, our help today and people will want to get more information and we will continue to share your story. Thank you so much. Deborah. you mentioned it and I know that you have a Facebook page set up under you on Facebook called Deborah's Kidney Transplant Journey. And there you can follow both of their journeys. You can follow me and Debbie on TBOL Masterclass podcast, me on Instagram at the state at work mom and Debbie Lundberg is pretty much Debbie Lundberg everywhere. So thank you so much. If you liked what you heard today, please rate us five stars. We are absolutely dedicated to finding five star guests and inspiration for you. So stay tuned and thanks for joining us for this episode of the business of life, the podcast for successful people embracing every chance to accomplish and experience all they can in business and in life. Listen, choose, do.